Girls Who Product tells the stories of amazing women to inspire others to follow their path in the product area. This project is supported by Zalando. Hello and welcome to the Girls Who Product podcast. I'm Katerina and today we have as our special guest a woman who never folds her wings. Her name is Elise Bosker. Elise is the VP product at Spidio. With a career defined by personalization across several industries, Elise have previously worked in product across different companies in France, as far as I know, Germany and the Netherlands. And already next Friday, on November 22nd, Elise will be giving a talk at Productize Conference in Lisbon. It's great to have you with us, Elise. Welcome. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Elise, you were a school dropout, as far as I know. So around 10 years ago, you dropped your studies in scenario writing for theater and cinema. Today, you are a VP at the fast-growing tech company. So first of all, I take my hat off um, to your bravery. We all know that it's very hard to go against the system and choose your own way. And second of all, from my personal experience in playing in theater, I see that many people choose this artistic path because they feel the world so sharply that the only thing that they imagine doing in their life is actually doing the art, is actually feeling this world, expressing this feeling. Nevertheless, you have switched into product into something uh, quite different. So what made you fall in love in product and why did you take this decision? Well, uh, good question. Um, so about, I think it was like 13 years ago to be precise, I indeed decided to quit my studies. Uh, it was a tough time, uh, I'll be honest. I think it's, uh, it's important that people also talk about that. I was just not in a good headspace, to be fair. Uh, but obviously I needed money to survive, so I needed to find a job. Um, and I found myself, first a few random jobs, but the first real job that I landed myself was working uh, in customer services support for, at the time, a growing tech company called Bull.com. Um, Bull.com is based in the Netherlands. They basically have a similar business model as Amazon. So they've been referred to as the Amazon of the Netherlands. Um, and when I started working there, obviously I was taking care of uh, customer questions, uh, mostly focusing on uh, a new product that they launched, which is secondhand book sales which basically meant that um, their initial business model was people could buy books, CDs at the time, as they were still big, uh, DVDs and this type of product on their, on their website. So it's really e-commerce driven. Uh, and this was the first time they were going to offer a marketplace type of feature, which meant that both customers and other businesses could sell their products on their platform. And the focus was secondhand book sales because at the time it was still very, they were very heavy on the, on the book market and it was an interesting uh, market to explore. So I saw from the beginning, you know, the, the problems that you face when you're launching a new product, but also trying to enter a new market space, uh, the type of questions people have, but also the weird logistic fails that you can have because when people send stuff in the post, things go missing. So I worked a lot on writing up processes, supporting the customers, but also supporting the internal product teams, technical teams with advice like, okay, we need to find a solution for this because it's not being very friendly to customers or actually, sorry, but people are being fraudulent with some of the other solutions. So it uh, gave me very... A very good first impression of okay product has a very important role um, I thought it was very good for myself to also really understand customer problems and having been on on that side of the of the field um, plus 
the guy who was leading the product launch, he was in charge of all the book sales and he was also in touch with, you know, all the publishers and deciding, okay, what are we going to push on the pages? So right now we would refer to that also a bit as uh, category management. At the time it was just called product management, but I thought it was very inspiring. Okay, you have one person who's not the CEO, but he's in charge of a very important part of the product. He's deciding on the strategy. He's in touch with the suppliers. He's in touch with all lines of business and makes important decisions. And it seems quite like a creative role because indeed coming from a scenario writing background, having written uh, scenarios for theater and, and film, uh, kind of wanting to still have a touch with the creative side, but also realizing, okay, if I'm going to be a scenario writer, I'm, I, this is not going to be my destiny. I'm not going to feel happy. Actually solving people's problems by building interesting products kind of got me in, inspired there in that, uh, in that first job. And then basically I made it my mission as I've, I've read in a lot of the other uh, girls who product stories as well that it's, it doesn't happen by itself. Like, yes, uh, I, I landed in product a bit by chance, but you have to make it work. And to make it work, you sometimes make some career choices that will help you get closer to that goal or at least learn skills that are useful in, in product management after. At the end of the day, this is what you need when you work with people, right? You need diversity. So having a different background rather than tech helps a lot. In the world of product, you have to balance a lot with uh, many stakeholders. Um, you've mentioned that negotiation is something what makes you feel balanced in product, whether it comes to dealing with customers or fighting with your own personal insecurities. My question here is how to become an objective, well, as far as it's possible to become an objective person and diplomatic negotiator from your experience. Mm, it's a combination of different factors, I would say, that come into play. Um, first of all, it's important to make sure that you collect enough data. Um, data can be as simple as collecting customer feedback, uh, can be as simple as reviewing the reviews you get on your app store, can be as simple as your basic analytics figures, but collecting data, diverse data, and using this to make decisions, it's really important. Uh, having said that, there's also the important human aspect. And I think, yes, it's an important character trait for a product manager to be able to speak to different types of people, uh, understand what your sales manager is going through, understand the type of problems your engineering manager is facing, uh, but also really make sure that you represent the customer. So the customer in, in the case of B2C, obviously, is your end user. So where this is something where... Uh, I will always preach for user research. Um, when I worked for Deezer, my previous job, I really got to understand why it's so important to talk to users, interview them, uh, run UX tests, but there's so much more to that. Uh, so for me, research is really important because you're close to uh, you're close to your end users, but you're still collecting data as well. So it's both quantitative and qualitative, and you need all of those ingredients to make the right decisions and as long as you have enough and um, diverse enough data set to uh, make your decisions on, you can also put on different hats. So when I'm talking to a sales manager, obviously I'm not going to talk specifically about some of the technical problems we might be facing if we were to implement some solutions he has in mind. I'm basically going to be like, okay, um, 
the customer or, or you in this case as my customer uh, have a need for us to increase conversion rates, for instance. So I'm going to propose ideas instead of just saying, okay, we'll, we'll implement your solution and I will give him data to prove like, okay, either from past experience or by the data that we've analyzed, uh, we have a very strong uh, conviction or, or a hypothesis that this will be the right steps to take to, to increase the numbers that you're looking for instead of, um, you know, talking too much product lingo, I would say. So it's important to be able to speak the different languages of the people that you're dealing with, uh, understand your customer by taking part in the research sessions, working closely together with the user research team if you have it. If you don't, you can hack your way in this as well. Uh, and uh, same thing with the engineering team. I mean, uh, it depends a little bit, but generally they don't want too many details. It's just they need to have a clear objective, uh, clear user stories, a clear understanding of the problem we're trying to solve, and then let them come up with the solution. And the only thing where you occasionally need to maybe be a bit diplomatic is also um, uh, understanding if the direction they're taking might be taking a bit too much time for the time being. Like it, and it's really hard to make the right evaluation there, uh, but it's all part of the negotiation process. And for me, a large part of my job is about strategizing my, uh, my next move in terms of who I'm going to speak to. It doesn't mean that I'm literally preparing myself, okay, if I'm going to speak to my VP engineering, Randa, for instance, I need to tell her X, Y, Z but at least to focus right. Okay, I'm gonna be talking about this specific topic, about this specific problem, um, who am I talking to? And it's funny because you do that on a day-to-day -day basis during your job, but it's the same way you need to approach the product itself. Like think about the different people that you're actually addressing and if your product is solving the right problems for them. So negotiation in that part, it's, um, it's, it's, it's a really important aspect of the job. It's, it's all comes down to communication. And the other part is, you know, also knowing when you either have a lack of skills on your team or yourself need to get uh, some additional um, uh, training. Uh, and again, here it's very simple. Okay, we're trying to launch a new product in a new market. Um, we did this a few months ago when we decided to go and launch a SaaS platform. I have never done this before. So we decided uh, to take 10 people of our team and we're a startup of 25 people uh, to all go to Saster, uh, Saster Europe here in Paris uh, to basically have everybody get a feel what are typical software as a service type of uh, platforms, what is different about them, what's different about their customers to, to make sure people really understand, okay, what's the product we're trying to build and make sure that everybody can take part and learn, uh, which is, you know, um, it's something that's really essential for me uh, in, in, in changing your product strategy, but also in terms of your day-to-day -day work with, uh, uh, with people of different lines of business and your end users. Yeah, so basically trying yourself in the shoes of the other person. As in our last episode of Girls Who Product, my guest Melanie Tobias has said that empathy gets you to a more effective working relationship. What do you think about this statement? I love it. Uh, I think it's something that um, generally uh, tech companies tend to forget a bit. Um, I read a very interesting article the other day, which was about the fact that sometimes we're pushing things too far. Like uh, there are solutions right now in the market or they're being tested. Um, 
artificial intelligence solutions that allow for you to, for instance, track the emotional expressions of people watching your videos, which is being used for a learning program to see, okay, if people are getting bored, why is this? Yes, it could be interesting to know and then improve the content. On the other hand, does, do we really need to know all of this information? Are we being helpful towards people who are learning by tracking their facial expressions and understanding uh, if, if they're interested or not? Are there other ways to solve this problem without us being maybe a bit creepy, actually? Because this is the, the balance I think we're trying to find again in technology. Like, okay, we've made so much progress and we have these exciting new technologies that are amazing when they are used the right way, but like with uh, progress in, in general and for humanity, often if we push it too far, bad things can happen too. And instead of just moving forward, actually thinking, okay, what is, what is ethical? Uh, what is the right decision to, to take here? How will this affect people in a broader sense? And not just think of yourself, but indeed uh, think of a diverse audience. Um, and then uh, lastly, you know, handle it with kindness. I think kindness or empathy, it's a really important feature of a product manager. But I think generally speaking for tech companies, yes, of course, everybody wants to make profit. We want to make money, but it doesn't mean that you can't do this in a way that you actually satisfy your end user in a more friendly, in a more transparent manner by showing what data you collect of them, what you're going to be using it for, and make them feel that you're not being creepy, but you're actually trying to help them. I, I think it also in the end increases the engagement with your branding, your product. These, these are really important values that are easy to forget along the way. So yes, I fully support the comment that we need more empathy and uh, it's, a, it's a really essential skill when you're doing this type of job. And I suppose that in order to be a successful leader as you are, you always need to constantly be broadening your horizons and actually actually constantly be learning and looking for something new so at the age of 30 um, you started to learn how to surf and apparently here again we share with you this passion for the ocean and especially for the portuguese coast and as far as you know every wave is unique so for me for example catching the wave means accepting the uniqueness of everything that surrounds us and what does it mean for you to be in the ocean? Um, being in the ocean, it's, um, I don't know, it's like being, you have these classic expressions, like being one with nature and things like that. But I'll, I'll be honest, it's the one place where I can really get out of my head. There are a few things that I do to, to relax. Like for instance, cooking is a really good way also of letting go of some work stress. But surfing, it's really this moment that is very much for myself but being one with with uh, the ocean at the time, uh, actually, I'm, I'm still very much a beginner. So uh, it happens a lot that I tumbled over and washed away, washed ashore. I've had some accidents as well, like minor ones, luckily. Uh, but it also makes you feel very humbled. Like on the one hand, you're learning a new skill that is not so easy to to learn, especially not at an older age, you might say. But it's also empowering to to try something new, to be daring, um, and to, to also understand you can't control everything. Um, for me, being North European, and I would say most of my work ethics, work mentality, I also have the North European approach. 
sometimes I tend to want to control too many factors uh, and solve too many people's problems. Like I worry about a lot of things. And when I'm in the ocean, I, I can't. The only thing I can focus on is indeed the wave I'm on uh, that exact moment and just enjoy it. Like make sure that you smile even if you, you fail to catch every wave that day. It doesn't matter. It's about the, the experience and being in a moment rather than uh, what end goal you're trying to uh, to achieve. So I think it's really good for, for myself as well to have those experiences um, beyond my job. Do you think that surfing actually makes you a better leader? Maybe. Um, I'm, it's a bit hard to apply it to my day-to-day -day work directly, but I would say it was very good for myself to, uh, to be back in a position where I'm really a beginner. I need to learn something from scratch and you know what do I what do I need for help like uh, finding finding a mentor in that sense as well like uh, of course I, I had a few uh, different surf instructors and usually the ones that worked uh, best for me and my personality are the ones that uh, encourage me uh, but also tell me like look you're too much in your head you need to let it go because otherwise you're not going to be able to enjoy it but you know, gently nudge me, uh, but you realize that for some other people, you need a different type of approach. So for me, in terms of leadership, uh, one of the main things that I try and, and, and preach in that sense, it's uh, to understand the individual. Like I have my own learning path. So has the, the other person on the board next to me trying to catch the other wave. And it's the same thing for me and my team. I mean, I work with different personalities and I deliberately try to create diverse teams because it helps me approach the product and the problems from a different perspective, but also it makes me, I think, a better leader learning to deal with different personalities and, and see what makes them thrive and, and, and learn from them as well a lot. You know, it's uh, for me, the, the, the most fun experience I had this summer was actually interviewing lots of product people for two roles I had available in my team. And it's, it's so interesting to talk to all these people. Like, you know, you want to recruit nearly all of them. You can't, so you need to make a selection. But still, like, you want to... Uh, sometimes you see also that someone's not going to be a good fit for your team because they, they kind of need something else. And you're like, okay, right, I'm now in the shoes of the recruiter. So today I can't say it, but I kind of want to follow up and let them know, like, don't worry, there's something else out there for you that's going to be a better fit. And... Um, that's the same thing with, uh, with, with surfing. It's the making sure you have your individual learning process and, um, be willing to learn and take, uh, take also like learnings from your instructors about, okay, how to, how to gently approach people and nudge them in, in their next uh, steps in progress. I share your feeling, especially like in surfing what teaches me the most is the feeling of frustration you know sometimes you cannot make it you're so frustrated but there is nothing you can do about that so sometimes in life it's also like this a couple of years ago you discovered that you had a you have actually a celiac disease so basically you are gluten intolerant how this problem has changed your mind and your relationship with yourself well when i discovered it i i was already sick for about a year uh and it's, it's a hard type of disease because it's not like an illness you can see. And it's also not uh, as serious as some allergies are where you need to run to the hospital straight away. But it's quite serious because if I eat anything that contains gluten, um, my belly swells up and 
I increased the chances of stomach and intestine cancer. So it's quite, it's still quite serious. So when I discovered it, I was luckily surrounded by a really great uh, team in terms of my, my direct colleagues, in terms of the friends that I had. And people really made an effort to make sure that I didn't feel left out when we had like, for instance, our team breakfast. It was a very common thing with my uh, Nickelodeon team in Berlin that we would regularly organize breakfast. And my Spanish colleague Beatrice made sure that she made me this uh, awesome tortilla. And uh, my other colleague Miria made sure that she made me gluten-free pancakes. So everybody made sure that it didn't feel like I was, I was changing things around and it was difficult. And that really helped me a lot because it was a time where, yeah, I was struggling a bit uh, uh, with myself and my body because, you know, it, it makes you feel very weak. And especially if you've been sick for a while, it also makes you feel very emotional. So it was a very, it was a very humbling experience again to uh, see how others are there to help you. And on the other side, also for myself to realize um, health is not a given. Like I'm lucky that what I have is very easy to, to treat. It's basically just not eating anything that contains gluten anymore and you can easily live with it. Uh, but I've seen around me other friends who've had more serious health problems. And, you know, you don't think about that when you're 30. You just think about, okay, you know, I'm living my life and, and health problems will start when I get older and, you know, it's all good. And then you realize actually you're, you're quite fragile, you're vulnerable. Uh, and the only way to to, to change that around is to, to change your behavior, to change your pattern. And it's, it's complicated in the beginning, but you get used to it quite quickly. And it made me more conscious about what I'm eating, what am I putting in my body? And like with technology products that are currently also under scrutiny, it's the same thing with the food that we're eating. And I think this is a great thing about our generation and the next generations that we're more conscious about what, what am I actually putting in my body? How is this made? Where's it, where's it coming from? And I see the rise of companies who focus on traceability, whether it's in fashion, whether it's in food, like really understanding how's my product made? What was the chain, how it was produced um, and, and get a better understanding of that and be more conscious about looking after ourselves, like our body health, but also our mental health uh, in order to, to be the best people we can be for for us and the people directly around us. At your talk at Mind the Product in Hamburg, you've said many interesting things, but one of them actually marked me the most. Music is in my DNA, you've said. So what did it mean for you to be working with such music platforms as MTV and Deezer? Uh, it was literally a dream come true. <laughs> um, when I was very young, I used to follow the music charts. Uh, at the time, we would still buy CDs. And I also have vinyl at home because I'm one of those vinyl junkies. So, uh, yeah, I, I really grew up in the generation where MTV, all the music videos were really big. Uh, and I was dreaming about potentially becoming a presenter uh, at the time. And I'm talking about when I'm like, you know, 10 years old, maybe. And I'm thinking, okay, the current presenter in the Netherlands, I, I, I would like to do that. I would like to do that job. And the funny thing is I actually had a screen test when I was about 18 in front of a green screen. And it's horrible because I, <laughs> I received a DVD and I watched it again recently. And I'm like, oh God, it's, it's really the age where... You have such a different view of the world. It's also very funny, uh, but obviously I didn't become a presenter, but I ended up working for the company uh, as a product owner uh, at 25. 
or later in my 20s actually. I, I worked for the company first at Nickelodeon and then as a product owner for MTV at, uh, at 29. And um, yeah, it's like, okay, MTV is not what it used to be in my childhood days, but it's still a very exciting platform to work for. And the markets that I was surfacing were all the North European ones. And uh, in Poland, for instance, the music videos were really big in Germany as well. So one of the main features I had to focus on was making sure that the charts were well represented, the features were working well, and that we would drive more traffic around um, around the music feature. So that was right up my alley and I, I really enjoyed working there. Uh, and that's the same thing for Deezer, which for me was a natural next step because I worked on web-based products at the time and I really wanted to work on a mobile app and, and get into the streaming uh, into the streaming business. Uh, so it was either, okay, am I gonna apply for, for Spotify in Stockholm or am I gonna try and apply with Deezer in Paris? And Deezer had a very interesting role available and I was also like kind of liking the idea of working for a challenger brand where there's still a lot of room to grow and you need to be more innovative because you're less people, maybe less budget, things like that. So I'm very happy I made, made that jump and, uh, and I worked on a, a feature really affecting the end user experience which is the personalized radio feature so where spotify has their discover weekly and release radar these are something similar but something on top of that which is your personalized radio experience so for me to work on that and think about okay where do we want to go next with this feature work with a user research team uh, it was a really really good experience for me and very exciting because i indeed have a have a love for music since since i'm very young and um, and yeah, it's, it's something that I also would say, um, maybe I'll end up going back to that at some point because right now I also work on entertainment products, but more on the B2B side. And it's, I guess it's something that's just a part of me. So, uh, it's hard to, hard to escape the things that you really love. Yeah. I actually would like to open here a little secret to our audience. Um, Liz is not only an amazing product leader, but she's also a cool DJ. So you used to make your own mixtapes as a kid. And when you moved to Berlin, you started DJing in the bars. So what is the feeling that you usually have at the moment you step on this stage? Well, okay, DJing, DJing. I would say, okay, I DJed in some bars with, uh, with friends. I wouldn't call myself a real uh, DJ, but the the feeling that you get is it's really about making sure that you play the the right songs like i'm not great at mixing for instance like uh, when i was a teenager and i started learning a little bit of djing i i mixed some some drum and bass which at the time was quite easy because the rhythm is very simple to uh, you know once you get the hang of it it's okay but with hip-hop for instance which i you know played more in these type of bars or with a bit more soulful funky music it's really about okay uh finding the right song that has a similar feeling and in terms of tempo is a good match so it's uh it's really making the right selection of songs and uh making sure that you follow also like okay is is my audience is, are they dancing are they mostly talking to one another are they bored you know <laughs> to kind of have a feeling should i turn up the the type of music that i'm playing yes or no and um uh, the fact that i you know uh, have a background also in in dancing. I think it's uh, it, it's a combination of the two that makes me, uh, on the one hand, very nervous about it. On the other hand, it's also uh, it's it's an, quite an empowering feeling when you manage to control your nerves and um, and uh, yeah, and basically create a good experience for your audience and and for yourself once you 
especially once you're in that flow and, and are beyond the first first minutes of the crazy nerves, which I get as well when I'm speaking at conferences, to be fair. Like the beginning is always like, what am I doing here? And then it's like, okay, okay, I got this. You can do it. You know, it's uh, you need to encourage yourself a little bit to to be daring and try things that are that are scary. You know, I think it's it's good to to be scared sometimes. You spend a lot of time helping young people get into product, uh, and especially women. What is driving you for making this commitment? What's driving me for this is uh, is definitely the fact that. There's not one path that leads to product development and product management. Uh, I think it's a, it's a bunch of skills that you either have and also things that you can definitely learn, uh, but it's a very hands-on job. Uh, yes, you can read amazing books, uh, you can take some courses, but the job itself is mostly learned by doing. So what I try and advise people who want to get into product is to not overdo the the research in terms of content like rather go to meetups to meet people go to conferences like productize like mind the product industry like make sure that you you get inspired and learn from people who've actually been doing the job uh talk to people uh but also like if you don't have the budget to go to these conferences uh, there's usually local events that are happening like whether it's a, a, a local bar camp like product camp or product tank or there's there's always similar meetups that you can attend uh, and I think those are very helpful to to meet with people and for myself what in what inspires me to to help them is I've been in their position you know it's like 13 years ago yes there was the product manager role but there was no degree that you could take like it's not like when I dropped out of school I could have you know went to a, a special school to become a product manager and even now like yes there are some courses out there but I think for a lot of us we come from very diverse backgrounds, so I want to show them and share with them like, hey, uh, I didn't take the, the engineering school. I didn't go to the perfect business school. Uh, you can do this. The important thing is you need to be willing to work hard. Uh, you'll have to learn a lot. Uh, your people skills are really important. Um, and yeah, also don't be demotivated by some, you know, some, some negative, uh, feedback because it happens. Like it still happens to me as well. Like you can apply for a job and never, never hear back. Like it doesn't matter what age you are. And I think with uh, a role in product, it's also important to understand that if you are currently working in a company where there is a product team, but you're in a different position, like go and have some lunch with them, join them for a daily standup, ask them if there's a project they're working on that is maybe somewhat related to your department or where you could assist, like really pay close attention to what they're doing and just offer your support. It might mean that you work an additional hour here and there, but it's like, really showing the the motivation and then of course there's also the opportunity to negotiate taking some trainings on top of that to at least it also helps you increase your confidence in, in what you're talking about and get the lingo right so um i think that's important and specifically for women there is one initiative that i'm very happy uh we share the office with they're called become tech and they help teenage girls how to learn how to code uh, but also like understand what roles are available in tech so 
this summer, for instance, we had some girls between the ages of, I think it was like 12 to 15 or so, who came here uh, and they took coding classes in different locations and they came here to interview some of the women who work at Speedio or, you know, either working on the commercial side, working in product, working in design, uh, working as developers to really get a feeling what's it like to do the job, learn people who can mentor you and inspire you. And, you know, that's the thing about the product community. It's all about giving back because they gave me a lot when I was trying to get into product as well, or kind of trying to get back into product. When uh, I lived in Berlin and was volunteering with Product Camp Berlin, I, I met some amazing people who mentored me and supported me throughout and, and still do actually uh, whenever I need them. Uh, and the other way around, you know, it's like now I've reached a point where I actually can give back. I have some knowledge that people are, are interested to hear. So why not spend some time, occasional lunch break here and there to, to meet with someone or, or do a call like we're doing right now to, uh, to see where you can help them, maybe open some doors for them like someone else has done for yourself in the past. So already next Friday, you're going to be giving a talk at Productize Conference on the radical transparency, how to build trust with customers. Are you feeling excited? Yes, I feel very excited. Yes, I, um, I, I did a bit of a dry run of some of the content earlier this year when I hosted a small roundtable at the Next Web Europe. Uh, and I've been refining the content a bit and making sure that it also fits a large, large crowd because you know, you don't want to be looking at a screen with a lot of copy. So I wanted to make sure the messages are clear. So yeah, I put quite a bit of work in it and I'm, I'm very excited to talk about, you know, what I feel is, uh, it's really important to the product community. What I touched upon a bit earlier as well is that we're more transparent about how we build our products, uh, how we use users data, um, actually stop talking about them like users, they're people, you know, it's like, um, this is what I really loved also about uh, attending Mind the Product where I learned about the Copenhagen catalog. I will touch upon that as well in my talk to kind of give people some ideas, some inspiration that I received myself over the past year or two uh, to become more conscious about how we build products and whom we're building it for. Well, I would like to mention that unfortunately many tickets are already sold out, but for those who is not going to be there. There is always an opportunity to watch uh, at least talk online. So please check our website at productize.co um, and don't miss this unique opportunity. I have a couple of few questions left. And uh, one of them is about having this little girl inside of you. I personally believe, I'm not sure if it's universal, that every strong woman has always this little insecure girl inside that keeps dreaming that keeps living in this unicorn's world with the dreams and uh, who is that little girl inside of you i think my little girl uh has not had the easiest path this is also where you know on the one hand uh i i i'm very grateful for the fact that i was born in a society where even when i failed at an early age in terms of my studies i had opportunities to find a job and and make ends meet um, in terms of my career, I have experienced a lot of situations where I was either disrespected a bit or really had to fight to be, to be heard. Uh, and this, yeah, this little girl occasionally comes out again when she's in a position, uh, where she feels things are not fair. Uh, I guess this is the one thing that 
uh, will remain with me until the end of my uh, my times. It's the I, I have a hard time dealing with unfairness. So whether it's about people around me, people I've never met, like seeing things on the news, I'm very sensitive to these things. So uh, what I always try and tell myself is like, okay, you can't solve the world's problems, but you can improve the people around you, their lives bit by bit, and you can improve yourself as a person. So when it comes to um, the insecurity, it's like, okay, if I had a bad day, there will always be a better day ahead, you know, like, try to not get my my head down too much and 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 just keep going and and trust in myself that's that's what i uh, what i tell that little girl <laughs> at the end of each interview i usually ask my guests uh, to give some advice for ladies who want to get into product but are afraid to do so so maybe you can send this inspiring message to them well if you want to get into product um you're already in there in the sense that if for you the the problem that you're trying to solve is actually find an inspiring job treat it that way so what would you normally do when you do product management you start with a research phase so make sure you do a lot of research you talk to a lot of people go to the meetups i, I mentioned before uh, yeah sure read also some books to understand hey, okay, what's the, the right direction? Do I want to get into more consumer products? Is a more technical product something for me? Is B2B the site where I should be? And learn how to play by your strengths. Uh, like the other day, I had someone approach me who really wanted to get into products and already had some project management experience in, a, in, in quite a creative organization. I'm like, okay, actually, I know another startup that's looking for product people. And the fact that you have already the organizational skills, your uh, you can you can plan, you can communicate, you have these skills and you have a background in a similar industry that will also help you make your case. So it's about doing the research in terms of talking to people, understanding what companies are out there, what is the type of uh, direction I want to take. You can also volunteer because this is, of course, the thing with also a conference like Productize. If you volunteer, like you do some work for them, but then in return, you also get to attend some talks and it's a good place to, you know, I, I used to volunteer myself with, uh, with Product Camp and I don't think I emphasize that because I think sometimes people feel like, oh, but the conferences are like five, 600 bucks a ticket. Like I don't have the money for it, but then it's like, yeah, but you could also volunteer. So you put in some free work, but in return, you get to attend the talks, meet the people and, and connect, you know, like meet the family. So I guess starting to do some tests, like just apply for some interviews. Don't be discouraged if you don't hear back. Uh, ask a mentor potentially, like someone you meet at a meetup, you approach like, okay, could you do a mock interview with me? Can you review my resume? What are the things you would emphasize? Because it's often, like even for myself, like I always have someone else review my, my resume or, or the cover letters that I write because there are things that you might miss out or things that they would say, okay, emphasize that. This is really, this is something you're good at. So play by your strengths. Um, start testing and then just improve your process like you would do normally with the with a product like literally look at it as your career is like your is like the product that you're developing and uh, there are actually some really good talks out there i attended one earlier this year that was specifically about that treat your career like you would treat your product like don't let it happen by chance put in the work do the research start testing and i'm sure something good will come out of it i will ask you 10 rapid fire questions so each question has two words to choose from out of each one you have to choose one option are you ready yes 
Hip hop or jazz? Jazz. CD or Spotify? Uh, ooh, tough one, Spotify. Berlin or Amsterdam? Amsterdam. Cinema or theater? Cinema. Uber Eats or homemade dish? Homemade dish. Product owner or product manager? Product manager. Front end or back end? Mm, front end. Portuguese coast or French countryside? Portuguese coast. Van Gogh or Monet? Van Gogh. To be or not to be? Of course, to be. <laughs> This was Alice Bosker. Thank you for listening.